Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at willpaw 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by a special guest today i mean we had him on last year he's a uh, the emoji king of jets twitter Dennis swaznak <laughs> on the uh, on the jets beat since 2006 so obviously no better person to talk to day before uh first preseason opener big signing today how you doing today i'm doing great i uh you know you never know when uh, there's going to be news and you know today actually today's a day off for us and i pull into stop and shop i'm ready to do my uh my family duties and i park the car boom and my phone starts buzzing and you knew it was going to happen though you know at some point uh it seemed inevitable that they were going to sign dwayne brown yeah it's interesting you know obviously spent the spent the day saturday spent the weekend basically uh on sunday as well there's physical so it was kind of a matter of terms and I thought once Makai's, I always thought it was going to get done, but it was, you know, just from what I had been told from like, there was obviously mutual interest. Everyone kind of reported it kind of, it was a flurry of everyone probably got the same people telling them the same stuff. But um, once Makai got hurt, it kind of went from a, a luxury. The Jets do need some depth to, that's probably the one position where I felt like they didn't really address at all. I mean, Max Mitchell, we'll, we'll talk about, but now he's a penciled in starter. And if the Jets didn't sign somebody, you were probably, I probably was, you know, I was worrying a little bit about, you know, Zach's future. Um, we Let's talk, we'll just talk Brown first, and we'll get into camp. What are your expectations for him? And um, do you think there's going to be a drop-off, or do you think he actually might be an upgrade over Mekhi Becton? I, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, because obviously Dwayne Brown is a left tackle. That's what he's played. I think Rich Semini tweeted out a, a stat from ESPN Stats, um, that only four of his snaps throughout his career, whatever it's been, 15 years that he's been playing or whatever, have been at right tackle. Everything else has been a left tackle. So after talking up George Fan, playing left tackle and being comfortable there, Robert Sala said, you know, he's much more comfortable at left tackle. And that's where one to play. Well, now they might have to reverse that and kind of reverse course and, and let Dwayne Brown play left tackle and have George Fant slide back over to the right side. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see. Now, I, I can't imagine that when, when, when Dwayne Brown was at MetLife Stadium last Saturday, there had to have been those conversations, even though Makai Becton was still okay. But, you know, he was still coming off the knee thing. He was starting to wear the brace, you know, just the, the soreness um, as a backup plan. Uh, to bring in Dwayne Brown. Now he's going to have to start, but you think that there was some conversation about, Hey, if we do bring in Dwayne Brown, George, are you okay moving over to the right side? So um, they know each other. I think they're very friendly with each other uh, from, from what I've I've heard. And um, I think they're both two like very likable guys. I think from a football standpoint, it makes sense to move Fant over to the right side because he's played there. And you let Dwayne Brown play left tackle because that's where he's always played. It seems like if you move Dwayne Brown to the right side, he's got a month to learn a completely new position at almost 37 years old. So I, I, I just think logically, um, and you, you got to protect Zach Wilson. And I think that is the best way now that they brought him in and maybe they reward George Fant down the line with, for being a good teammate you know, for being loyal, for being good, you know, for being a good player. They know he can play left tackle. And Dwayne Brown's not going to be here forever. But right now, they need somebody to slide over the right side. And Connor McDermott and Truma Adoga and Max Mitchell's not ready yet. They're not going to cut it. So I think that's kind of how. But it'll be interesting to see how they explain all that and, and, and what's been told to each of those guys. Yeah, I thought something that this was not something that I was told. It's just kind of using my brain a little bit here. Um, I thought the likely, like the deal was getting held up in one sense of can, would they be, you know, George fans going through his own contract, you know, potential extension. There's obviously the difference in money between left tackle and right tackle money, as everyone knows. Um, I figured if like, George Fant's not going to want to play right tackle more so because he wants to get paid his left tackle as he should. Um, and he obviously is more comfortable there, but obviously the money thing plays into it. Look, I, I was talking to Mike Duggar, who is, uh, who's an you know incredible columnist, you know, in Seattle for the athletic and two funny points he brought up to me or one, when I was telling him, I'm like, Hey, you know, Dwayne Brown's in the building. He's like, he's not playing right tackle, man. So whatever happens, he's not going to play right tackle. And he also talked about a story of basically, um, a couple of years ago, George Fant was supposed to win that left tackle job before Dwayne Brown, uh, the Seahawks traded for Dwayne Brown. Fant tears ACL, he's out for the year. And, and Seahawks trade for Dwayne Brown. He makes a bunch of Pro Bowls and all pros, and the rest is history. Obviously, George Fant comes here. Um, obviously, the two have a relationship again. For the, the, all that matters is can the Jets get, like most offensive linemen have three good guys, two or three good guys, or maybe one amazing guy, you know, in San Francisco, you look at. Then there's guys that aren't great um, and usually try to bring them at least average. And if the Jets can get league average play at a minimum from Fanton Brown, I think this unit has a chance to be very, very good. ABT should be better. Um, obviously, it's year two. He moved positions. He only moved, I guess he moved again. But uh, Tomlinson yeah. seems to be a huge force. And then McGovern should be much better now surrounded by better players. Center, I, I feel agree. like center is weird. It's like except for the elite, elite Mangle, Mawai types that are, you know, they were pulling with Kevin Mawai. It wasn't, it wasn't a traditional center. Usually those guys are kind of, they're good. And then if you may have guys around them, they're better. Um, what do you think like the ceiling is for this offensive line now? Is it, could it be a top 10 unit? Could it be a top five unit? Or is it, should we pump the brakes a little bit? I, I think it could be depending on, you know, how everything clicks. And I, I think um, even before Becton got hurt, um, you know, there was the talk about, hey, this team 
this offensive line is going to need some time to kind of gel um, and to be on this, the field together because they were easing Becton, uh, easing Fant back in off of, you know, the arthroscopic uh, knee surgery in the off season. And Becton was practicing full, you know, for the most part, um, they, uh, they limited his snaps in the green and white scrimmage, but for the most part, he's pushed, he had pushed his way through, but you wanted to see all five of those guys kind of operate together. And, but I think now if you bring in a guy, Dwayne Brown, who like from all accounts, he was still really at a high level last year, even though he's 36, he was 36 years old at that point. I think, you know, that you don't lose too much on the left side. And if you move George Fant, who was up and down at right tackle, but you know, he could play that position and be solid. Well, AVT moving over to the right side and Tomlinson there, they're going to raise those guys up. And, and I think there's leadership on that line too. There are guys who people look to on that line. And um, yeah, I, I, I think they can be much better. Um, it's, it's funny to say that, right. As much as they've struggled over the last few years. And I mean, we've seen some different incarnations of this offensive line over the years with, you know, in front of Darnold and, and, you know, and Zach last year. Um, yeah, I, I think they can be good. Um, you just want to like make that decision. Okay. Fan is playing the right side. Dwayne Brown will play the usual left side and now let's go, you know, and like, let's, let's use this next month to just, just mesh and gel together. That's what they yeah. need. And last year, yeah, last year they didn't really have time to do that, right? Like Beckham was right. out, AVT was out. Right, exactly. And, and that's the thing. And in a weird way, if this had to happen, it's like, okay, at this point in, in training camp, okay, we still have a month to, to do this, you know, to, to kind of get together. And I think it'll be easier for Fant to move over to the right side and just have, have Wayne Brown play the left side because it would be hard for a guy, even at his, you know, experience level to learn a completely new position in a month. Yeah. I just, you're not going to, yeah, not, you're not going to teach Dwayne Brown it. Nah. He's not doing that at 37. Um, he's made all pros. He's been a pro bowler. It's just exactly I'm, as much as George Fant's a nice player. Like it just, it is what it is. And we have the flexibility sometimes, whether you like it or not, you know, I always like think back of, you know, Manu Ginobili could have started, obviously, but he was the guy that had to be the sixth man. And like that, sometimes it's just what happens. And, you know, unfortunately, and sometimes being versatile kind of hurts you yeah. <laughs> from a contract right. perspective. Um, you know, Michael Parsons probably wants to play linebacker, but he's got to play edge too. So, you know, speaking of that, and you kind of mentioned, you know, the contract and all that. I mean, one way they could appease Fan if they really believe that, that he's the guy for the next several years they could pay him like a left tackle, even though he's going to be playing right tackle this year. Um, and, and maybe as a goodwill gesture, we don't see those a lot, you know, it, like especially the Jets over the years, you know, maybe that's one way to say, hey, look, we appreciate that you're going to do this and you're going to get paid and we're going to pay you what you want because we want to make sure that you're here. And even though it's a two-year, $22 million contract, I, we haven't seen like the details yet. Um, I'm sure it's one of those typical Joe Douglas contracts that it could be done after this year and they can move on without much of a, a hit to the cap and all that. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, to have a 38 year old left tackle next year and Wayne Brown, like, I'm not sure. This is something that they need now because 
that there's a big hole now on that left on that right side, you know. So um, yeah, so I, I think they could do that with Fant potentially if they want to like you're going to do this for us. We're going to do this for you. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. They started Douglas seems like, I know in the beginning, it seemed like, Oh, the Jets don't pay their own guys. He did look, he did pay Braxton Barris. He paid JFM. Yes. It's starting to change a little bit. No doubt. Um, again, there's going to be some guys coming up here who, you know, Quinn and more importantly, that's going to be the guy that everyone's going to probably look to of like, are you going to pay him? Cause he's the guy that's probably yeah. the most hope pro, high profile. Um, I believe Connor Hughes put out, I'm not sure if it's on Twitter in an article or whatever they thinks the deal somebody had heard between is between really it's like a seven to $10 million deal, which is typical Douglas probably gonna be seven or $8 million in year one, highly incentive based. And then, you know, all of the money in year two, which no one's going to, he's not going to, even if he stays here, he's not going to see that, like that exact number. So right. um, yeah. And the fan thing, I agree. I think Brad Spielberger was on, he talked a little bit about, you know, if they paid him as the, I think the sixth highest right tackle would make him still a top 15 left tackle or something where like they could kind of do a goodwill thing where like, Hey, we're going to pay you as a swing guy, but like a really, really expensive swing guy type of thing. We'll see what happens there. Um, I want to get to Zach because from, at least from my opinion, and you're going to know better than me, been there every day, obviously. I feel like this is the best week stretch he's looked consistently since he got here. And frankly, I don't remember the last time a Jets quarterback went, consistently practice over practice day over day, pretty much week over week now of like five, six completions in a row, you know, going 12 or 14, every practice, like he's not turned the ball over. I thought on Wednesday, I know it's a later practice and we kind of meant to talk about this before, but man, he had control of the offense quick game and the ball was out. It's in stride. There's no like holding the ball. It's, I mean, there's still a little bit of it, but it's much less than it was uh, even in mini camp and OTAs. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think you hit right on it. Um, one of the big things is there's, um, accuracy, there's efficiency, um, and, and things move, you know, and, and when, I mean, he's faced a lot of pressure in camp from that defensive line, the offensive line has struggled early, you know, against that defensive line. So he's had to kind of do some things, but he hasn't forced things. That's the key, you know, and last year during that rough stretch that he had, he was trying to make plays and, you know, he's athletic and, you know, he's capable of potentially making those kind of plays and, and doing, pulling those things off. Um, he wasn't ready yet to do that, but now it, I think it's clicking. And I, I think that five game stretch at the end of last year, he didn't have any interceptions. You know, I think he came close a couple of times, but he didn't have any on his record, you know? So I think he kind of saw like, you know, I don't have to force things, you know, the, maybe the best play is throwing it away or like taking off and running out of bounds or whatever. And I, I think that's the progression of a young quarterback. And, and I think you're seeing it. And I, I've said this to a few people that, you know, that, that efficiency and that the accuracy, you see it, like it's, it is clicking and, it's not just talk, you know, I, I think, because if you look at the first practices to now, there's been a progression even in camp. And that's what you want to see. Like, okay, because when he first started, when the camp first started, it was like, uh, okay, he's kind of okay. And like, oh, he's good and not so good. But now he's been very, you know, just consistent over the last, like you said, week or more now. And that's promising. And I, and I like what he's been able to do. Um, 
you know, we'll see. I think I think tomorrow will be good to, you know, to really uh, take that next step in a game and see if they can have an efficient drive, you know, against the Eagles and, and uh, you know, no turnovers, not forcing anything. Um, I, I feel pretty good about him at this point, you know, and, and I mean, who knows when they face the AFC North to start off the season and those rough games, but yeah, I, I, I like what I've seen. And uh, I think you're right. Like I haven't seen this type of consistency from a, uh, a Jets quarterback in camp for a while, you know, it's been, it's been a while, maybe, you know, maybe Fitz, you know, when he was starting, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, there hasn't been as much buzz and, and pressure on a quarterback either, you know, in a long time, I think Darnold, it was different. Like the teams weren't that good. I think this team is capable of doing some things as long as Zach can take that next step. And, you know, we're not talking like, Super Bowl or but I think they can win some games here and I, I think you're seeing what you want to see from the quarterback right now yeah it's interesting I just it's just this I also you know it's again these are stupid little things but the vibe around the team like Zach's comfortable um and that I don't feel like he was really ever comfortable last year even when he started to play better it still wasn't like you saw the one moment in the Titans game where he kind of had that little you know when he had the, you know he points the guy you know Corey Davis to go downfield and stuff but you know, that swagger and Zach had, he's talking trash, the sauce, handing him the ball. Like, that stuff was not here last year. And and I don't think he was – of course not. He's a rookie. You don't expect that. But there's something different. Speaking of sauce, I, I was – I'm immensely impressed. I like, I wasn't super high on the pick. At, it's not because I didn't – it's not because I didn't love sauce. It's just I thought, you know, this team has an issue at tackle. And, and they like, Icky Aquano sitting right there and – um you risk not getting in one of the receivers and whatever, but man, he is really impressive in person. Like there, he moved his movement, his size. I have not seen him get beat once. I don't know if you have, I don't like, I haven't heard one person be like, Oh, sauce got beat for a touchdown here. And like, we joked about that stat coming out of the draft and it got overused a million times, but like, I still haven't heard seen him give up a touchdown. So I don't know when it's going to happen. I hope not very often, but um, what are your impressions about sauce? And like, Am I crazy that like he's way ahead of the curve of a rookie cornerback? Usually you don't see stuff like this. Yeah, no, that that's true. I think there was a play, man, they all all the days blend together in camp. There was a day, it might have been last week, late last week before the scrimmage, or was it during the scrimmage? I, I can't even remember now. There, there was a play Zach threw into the corner of the end zone to Garrett Wilson, and Wilson was just out of bounds, but Sauce was was on him. Um, he would have been beaten for a touchdown on that if, if uh, Wilson had come down in bounds. But I mean, that, that's been one of the few times that you've seen. And even that play was a, a close play. It could have gone either way. Um, yeah. I like I like the confidence and, and well, you know, man, like if you have, we've seen it, we've seen greatness at corner with Revis and what Rex was able to do with that defense when he had, Revis on one side I mean it, it just now you don't want to put that on Gardner at this point um, but you hope and envision him to be that type right if you take him at number four and he has this history in college and he's got that swagger and confidence I mean that that's good you know and let's see what happens when the games count and he's going against these top receivers and that kind of thing but I think the blueprint is there where if when you have a one and a one a like we saw with Revis and Cromartie during those years 
where you knew you had a guy who was shutting down one side of the, 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 the back there. And then you had an athletic guy who could take on anybody else like Crow. You know, you, you throw in a guy like DJ Reed, who is very, was also promising, you know, and, and that was that was a key signing for their secondary. Um, yeah, I, I think those two guys together could really play off each other. But yeah, man, I, I've been impressed by Gardner. And somebody asked me on Twitter, uh, you know, like, hey, I haven't heard much about sauce. Like, I'm like, no, no, that's a good thing because he's just not getting beat. And sometimes they're not even throwing over there. So this is already, you know, happening. You're seeing like, okay, like, we'll try this side. And DJ Reed hasn't been practicing the past uh, few days with a hammy. Um, he should be back soon. But, you know, like, like it, uh, teams will test Gardner, but right now I, it seems like he's up for it, you know, and, and he says it, he's, he's ready, you know, and that, that's, you want to hear that from your, you know, star, your future star cornerback for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I think Mike Westoff um, was, was on and he was just talking a little bit about it. like, he's like, I don't want to put the expectation of it, you know, of a Revis on him, but he's like, you get that same just like aura around him or like instantly people are, just attached to him and like you talk, I mean, to come in and talk the amount of trash he's talked and back it up is, is I think people, you could see Corey Davis talked about it. I'm not sure who asked him that. He's like, no, nah, man, he's like, he brings it. And like Corey's gotten paid twice and you know, he's a top five pick himself. And I know he's, you know, fans aren't as high on him anymore, but at the end of the day, like th there's these guys that, you know, Sheldon Rankins, the respect he has for him. These guys are proven they've won in this league or been successful. They've getting paid like, they don't have to be nice to the rookie. Uh, you know what I mean? He's a top five pick. So um, is there anybody else who's kind of um, not even under the radar, but just other names that kind of to you stand out of or having a nice camp or maybe um, maybe having a bigger impact than, uh, than people might first have thought coming into camp? Well, I definitely I like what I'm seeing from Conklin, you know, Tyler Conklin, you know, one of the two big tight ends they bring in CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin and Conklin and Zach Wilson have really seemed to develop the pretty quick chemistry. Um, Uzama too, but I think Conklin is that, that guy right now that you see catching passes two or three every day, you know, maybe even more depending on what they're running. And I, I think that's a guy who, um, you know, you expect some good things from, but I, I think he could be a really key piece because you think of, of like the running game and how, they're going to use Brees Hall with Michael Carter. You know that, you know, you know that you're going to have Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson and Braxton, Braxton Berrios and, you know, whoever else in that mix, Jeff Smith or Mims or whatever, you know that. I think the tight ends, right? Well, when's the last time we saw tight, a tight end be a viable option in the passing game? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Dustin Keller. Yeah, Keller. And Keller wasn't even like, I don't know that he was – that offense didn't feature the tight end in the way maybe right. maybe he had the ability obviously we'll never know because the Miami injury happened right after yeah. and, you know that was yeah. tough but yeah. I feel like you know Conklin in a similar ish you know role was kind of faulted that's kind of created the Chris Hernan trade but you know 60 catches last year I noticed that too the other day they reason a lot of two tight end stuff which I thought they would do it's kind of common in San Francisco um but you know, that was another way too. They could kind of help out fan on the right side. If you're worried to Conklin, yeah. uh, Uzama Good could point. chip and yep. but Conklin's kind of a, you know, he's a bigger body. He was kind of a receiver. He's kind of their, you know, jump ball guy or, you know, cause I don't, yeah. they are a smaller, they're all a smaller unit, but no, the tight ends look, that's huge. Like 
as a young quarterback, look, New England paid New England's paying like thirty million dollars this year to two tight ends. So, although their roster is a mess, but yeah, that's not, not the point. The point is just like Zach getting easy completions to backs and tight ends, which no disrespect to Ryan Griffin, but Conklin and Uzama are a very different level player than yes, one hundred percent. And I think it's so key in this offense to have all those different options and. And you know what the 49ers did with their offense and, and mixing and matching the running backs, you know, and having the, the versatility of those guys, plus a Kittle, you know, in there. And then they, you know, just kind of using different guys to do different things. I think that's what they envision and where the pressure comes on and, and he can dump it off to Michael Carter or Brees Hall or find Zama or Conklin right across the middle short, you know, and it, there are those options where he didn't really have those last year. It just, they, there was a lot that was going on there, you know, with, a, with not a lot of help. So I think he's got that uh, now with this offense. I think Michael LaFleur will be able to be a little more creative or a lot more creative now too um, with, with so many guys who could do so many different things. Um, but another guy who's really stood out and he was kind of under the radar in the whole free agency is Jacob Martin. And, um, you know, I, I think yeah, nobody talked about that. No, nah, right. And, and I think he's really kind of uh, flashed quite a bit over, you know, over the last, you know, two and a half weeks or whatever, um, as somebody who could, could put some pressure on a quarterback. And I, I think while Carl Lawson has looked good coming back from that injury and you expect him to be that, you know, that, that guy who comes off the edge and puts a I think Jacob Martin really has a role too. And, and I, in some ways, you know, how like Bryce Huff was a guy that a lot of people talked about like that, that, Oh, maybe he could be the guy he might still be, but I think Jacob Martin is that guy, you know, he could be the guy on the other side or, you know, mix him and Lawson and just kind of, um, you know, I, I, I like what I've seen from him though. It, it, that, that was a good under the radar type signing for sure. I'll ask you, I'll go, we'll go a little rapid fire in terms of like big deal, not big deal, I guess. Um, or maybe like overblown or, or it's properly rated. Quinn Williams is having a outstanding camp. He's have this breakout year. Is that overblown or is it kind of like he actually looks different than he has? Cause we've heard this for three and a half years now. No, I think that's, I think it's uh true. Uh, that's a true statement. I think you're seeing him kind of, you know, push that line, get in the backfield, disrupt things. Um, it's kind of what you've been expecting to see, you know? And I mean, st we still haven't gotten to a game yet. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but I think he understands that's his role and wherever it may be, if he's back, you know, if he's long-term here or like, that's the type of player that a team will envision him to be a guy who's putting that constant pressure on and, and um, I think the talent of that defensive line also helps too. I just, those guys playing off of each other. And if they all, you know, stay healthy for the most part and got loss in there and Quentin Williams, JFM and, you know, Jacob Martin and, you know, rankings, Solomon Thomas. I mean, what a problem to have they have. So like I was looking at that, they now have 16 guys on the defensive line in camp. Like there are going to be some good players, and even Salah said this. You know, there are going to be some good play NFL players that they're going to have to cut. But I think all of that plays into Quinn and Williams, and and how effective and disruptive he's going to be. I, and I think he's shown 
you know, signs of that. And he's really flashed, uh, you know, a few times over the years, but I, you know, I think this might be it, you know, this, this might be the time where it really comes out and he lives up to that, those expectations. I, I would love to see it. I think for Quinnen, it's just going to be being consistent. You get a lot of games where yeah. one, two sacks, four pressures looks fantastic. Um, I know he's banged up last year, but it was hard for yeah. me. I think he had six or seven sacks in the first 10 weeks and then didn't have a pressure the rest of the year. And it was like, uh, man, their schedule is pretty late at the end of the year. And like, I know he's banged up again, but like they're playing the Jaguars and Texans of the world and no pressures, no sacks. It's just like, can you put it together for at least 14, 15 games? Cause I felt like, yeah, I, mean, I guess 2020, true. he was very good, but last year it just felt like it was very inconsistent. Um, one more D line question. Are you, is it the right call to play Carl Lawson tomorrow? I think it's fine. You have to play him at some point. And how impact, like, should we, do you think people should be expecting, you know, the guy that was coming in here last year or like have some tempered expectations just based on the injury? Well, it's weird, right? Because there was so much expected of him coming into last season for a guy who has only 20 career sacks. Looked at as like the next, you know, big time pass rushing force because he's shown glimpses of that and potential of being that. Um, I I think the guy's hungry without a doubt. He's he's like dying to get out there. He was pretty good when we talked to him uh, yesterday, and uh, he said it's got to be tough for these guys, right? Like there's so much expectations. He knows what everyone was expecting to see from him. And then he's hurt, you know, before the second preseason game and he's done. Um, it had to have been killing him. He said, yeah, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, as much as, you know, you want to breathe, you know, and you could believe it, you know, and, and I think he's used that as motivation through this offseason. And he knows he's still a big time piece to that defense that if they have him rolling, that it's going to open some things up for other people on that, that defensive front and, and even, you know, help the secondary, you know, by putting that pressure up front. Um, yeah, I, I mean, is he going to be a 20-sack guy, a 15-sack guy? I, I don't know. I mean, he's looked good um, in camp. I think it's a good move to – I mean, you, you want to get him into a game and just get that feeling and, like, okay, and now get him out, you know. And, a couple plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think – you play him, play him tomorrow night in Philly, um, you know, a series or two, maybe it's just a series just to get his feet wet again, you know, and, and then take him out. But yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say because he's never really been that dominant guy. He's been a nice player. Um, but I think this defense really suits what he does. So that's why, and I think that's why the jets paid him all that because they envision him, you know, in what he could be in this defense. And again, having a guy on the other side, if you have Jacob Martin or, you know, JFM on the outside or moving inside, Quinnen, and I, yeah, I think all of a sudden, like, there are going to be guys back there, you know, because everybody's kind of taking other guys out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think he's, a, he's got a lot of potential as a disruptor in the, the you know, for quarterbacks there. For we'll sure. go, we'll go one more question before kind of get some expectation level, but um, Elijah Moore is a guy who obviously a lot of expectation, a lot of hype during camp last year, quietly had like three different injuries last year. And I, like, I feel like we kind of 
people forget like had the quad comes back and then has a concussion then yep. comes back then has a quad again a little worrying um but whatever that's i was just a little worried about like you know three injuries in the course of four months like that two muscle injuries you never want to see but has obviously had a really good camp he had the, you know the highlight one-handed catch and he's you know the, the highlight play from zach he had to play the other day fair to expect him not only to just be like the guy obviously you're kind of everyone's used to like the six three receiver and as someone who was a six three receiver i wish it was still the case but you know obviously times are different guys that play out of the slot play out you know outside can be your number one um fair to expect him to be the first jet to have a thousand yards in like 25 years i know brandon marshall worked with him oh man i think it's fair to maybe i don't know the problem is just like they're going to spread the ball around i think that would be that would be the issue Yes, I think he's capable of it for sure in this offense. And with, like you said, with the pieces that they have, I think, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how everybody's used. And I think that's the the thing that everybody's going to be used. And they, you know, Zach might have games where he's got 25 completions and, you know, there are two, seven different people because he's got the two running backs with two tight ends the four wide receivers, you know, like, I, I think that's what's going to happen. So it's, it's kind of hard to expect one guy to have a thousand yards receiving. Um, so like, if you're playing fantasy, you know, and you're looking at the jets um, offense, like, yeah, I mean, he, he might have the catches, you know, like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause they might use him short too, you know, and, and try to try to use him, as a matchup, you know, as a mismatch, like, you know, somehow it's going to be tough to get a thousand though in this, in this offense where they use so many different pieces in the passing game. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I think, um, you know, Corey Davis was on pace for a thousand. There was a point, you know, for Elijah where um, he was the number one guy for a while and, you know, he was on pace. It's just the offense looked different last year, right? Like, Oh, yeah, it's just there's a lot less pieces. They do not run the ball actually quite as much as I think they'd like to. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's <laughs> part of the offense. Yeah. Um, where are you at from an expectation perspective? Like, have you has it a from like a win total? Do you kind of have like an idea in your head of where you think they're going to land? But b like, has camp changed anything for you? Do you feel a little bit more optimistic in terms of their expectations? Or are you kind of right where you are? I know it's hard to overreact to practice, but yeah. Um, it's, it's natural to do so when you finally see a team in person. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because you, you almost, so what are we, we're two and a half weeks into camp, you know, and, and everybody is optimistic. You know, if you talk to anybody in, on any team, you know, the Jaguars, the Texans, like everybody's, you know, like, yeah, you know, and you kind of get lulled into that kind of sense, just covering the team. Like you have to kind of take a step back objectively. Let's, there's still that schedule is going to be rough, you know, and there are going to be games you, you want them to be able to hang. And I think they, they have the talent to at least hang in these games and maybe win a few, especially in that, that first like seven game stretch where they're, they, you know, it's really rough. Um, It's just that they're still young and inexperienced, you know, and and I I just, I don't know. I, I just, to think to, or to expect at this point that they can get like nine wins and go like nine and eight or eight and nine like that, man, that, that would be, that would be a very good season for them. Like it really, I mean, look what they've done the past few years. 
that's keeping it in perspective, you know? <laughs> They've been... won six games, you know? It's exactly. Like... So um, are they going to win two? No, I think they'll win more than that. Four? Yeah, I think. But I think if you're looking six or seven, that's probably realistic right now. That could change, though. Like, let's see what goes on in preseason, just kind of how things click. Um, we're not going to see everything because they're going to hold back, you know, on defense and offense and all that. But I think there's a plan. And I think that's that's a good thing to, to know that there's a plan in place um, on both sides of the ball. And and look, here's another thing. You're going into camp or you're going into the preseason with two experienced kickers, too. And that's something we haven't seen. Uh, you know, they've been experimenting at that spot. So I think they believe that there will be. A, you know, opportunities to win games. Um, I just don't know, like, if you could look at it and say, wow, you know, they could go 10 and seven this year. Like that's, that's hard. That's a hard leap to make at this point. Yeah. It's I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I mean, I'm not going to do my like my thing until the day before the season, as I always do, but man, I don't know. It's weird. It's if Zach takes, if Zach looks the way he's looked the last week consistently throughout the year, like they're going to win nine or 10 games because that means he's a very legitimate NFL quarterback that's playing really good football. And yep. um, if Zach looks like he did in the beginning of camp, they'll probably win six or seven games and there'll be a team that's fun. And you probably won't really know if Zach's the guy you'll kind of know. Um, ideally all that matters this year is know that Zach's your quarterback for the next eight to 10 years or whatever the yeah. contract's going to be. Cause if you do that, then it's pretty obvious. Okay. We need to address, you know, these three spots when you address tackle safety and linebacker and, whatever. Um, I also think sauce and some of these rookies specifically sauce. And I think, and, uh, and Garrett Jermaine Wilson, Johnson. Jermaine Johnson oh, yeah. too, but if Garrett Wilson and sauce are like impact, no one's going to be Jamar chase and Jalen Ramsey day one. But if, if sauce is like a legit, if he has a Patrick Sertan rookie year and Garrett Wilson's a 55, 60 catch guy, like they're probably pretty damn good. And the jets have got a bunch of cornerstone pieces. If Garrett Wilson looks terrible and, Sauce is getting burned left and right. Um, yeah, it's not any time to panic, but they're not going to be winning a lot of games. They're probably going to be in that growth stage. I also would love – I guess we'll finish with this because even I said we were just going to finish. But I, I would like to see Sala, like, really get the most out of these guys. I, I don't – I'm not positive that was the case last year. I think early on he was learning like any rookie coach. Um, yeah. He's in year two. It seems like he's got a different aura about him. I like to see them, like, eke out one or two games when they play – I don't know. They play, you know, Pittsburgh or Cleveland without a good quarterback. Like, can you scheme it up? Like he gave Aaron Rodgers fits for three years and Rodgers talks about it all the time. Like, can we give Mitch Trubisky some fits or can we, you know, go into, you know, can we put a game plan against Lamar where we contain him and stuff? I don't know. I just, I'd like to see this coaching staff, like win them a game or two based on just like we were way better than the other staff. Yeah. that That's a good point too. Well, because I think there were times last year, like you said, I mean, it, the coaching staff kind of failed too, you know, because they were kind of learning and they were inexperienced just as much as the rookie quarterback was inexperienced, you know? Um, yeah. You, you want to know that you have a staff in place that can scheme up some things that can lead them to victory. Even if, you know, Zach isn't, you know, spectacular that he's okay. You know, that he's having a, an efficient day, but he's not lighting it up um, that, you know, that, okay, the defense is going to go bananas, you know, on, on a backup quarterback or an, a mediocre line. Yeah. Like 
you want to see that. And, and I think that kind of gets a little bit like overshadowed by the players and the quarterback and the defensive line and the secondary kind of being, you know, renovated um, that the, the coaching staff really needs to take a step up. And, you know, the defense as bad as it was last year, it's gotta be top 15, you know, like it has to take that jump from 32nd. It's gotta move up for them to have a shot to really be able to compete in some of these games and just tee off on some of these teams that are not that very, that good at all. For sure. Sorry, I was muting myself as usual. Still uh, <laughs> two years in, I still mute myself. Um, yeah, no, I'm on the same page. You look, it happened. You know, I thought the offense did it, you know, LaFleur did a great job against the Bengals last year. Can they pull out one or the two of those games? Um, not sure I'm going to go to where Joe Beningo went today and said week one is must win. Um, but they cannot for the they cannot have a performance where they come out and they're down 21 nothing in the first quarter. Like that, right. that can't happen. Their this roster is way too good to be still getting blown out. Um, we'll finish. This will be the last prediction I'll ask from you. AFC East. Um, how do you think it finishes? I'm inclined right now to see the Jets have a shot at second. They're likely can I don't think they should have an excuse to finish less than third. Um, everything I've heard out of New England is ugly, um, to say the least. I know they're playing right now, but what do you, where do you think in the AFC shakes that I assume Buffalo's one for you? I would be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it would be hard to, you know, have anybody other than Buffalo at one. Um, yeah, I think the Jets have, they have a shot at number two for sure. Right. Do, do you believe in Miami? Like, not really, you know, like if two is the quarterback, it's like, you know, okay. Like, like there's just as many questions about Tua, maybe even more, um, you know, that, that there are for, about Zach Wilson and certainly Mac Jones. It's like, okay, he was very efficient last year, but what kind of offense did they run last year? You know, it wasn't like he was lighting things up either. Um, yeah. I, I think when you put it all together and you look at the, all the pieces like, yeah, this team should compete. They should be able to beat, Miami in Miami, New England in New England, like they should be able to do those things now that we haven't seen them do in a long time. And, and, you know, can they pull one off on Josh Allen and Buffalo? You know, maybe, you know, maybe I like they're, they're clearly head and shoulders above everybody else. But um, look, if they go two and two in those first four games against the AFC North, you're in good shape. You know, you like there's some there's a positive to look at. Like, okay, people were writing us off and saying like we're gonna go 0 and four if you know if you're the Jets and it's like, all right, we went two and two. Well, maybe. And the cool thing would be is if Zach Wilson pulls one of those games out, and the defense pulls another game out, and like all of a sudden you've got like both units kind of like okay, we're seeing some good things here. Um, that will jumpstart the rest of that. That's you know that schedule for them and, and the performances. So, yeah, I, I, but the AFC East is going to be tough, you know, even when the teams aren't that good, they beat up on each other and all that. But um, man, I, I just think they really do have some pieces here um, that can, can really work together. And it's been a while. And, and that's not even just the August 11th optimism, you know, talking, I think they really did do a good job in the off season of, putting some and here's the other thing well one one more thing with with that when you look at all the guys who started games last year because they had to you know guys like 
Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall and, you know, Hamsa and uh, Jamie and Sherwood. And all these guys are now backups with experience and young. So they have a youthful experience as backups coming in if they need to. Um, where at last year guys went down and you were throwing anybody you could find out like at safety. Remember what happened? Oh last God, year? that Bucks game. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like so now you have got those guys who had to play, you know, guys like um, trying to think like Elijah, um, Elijah uh, Riley and Kai you know? Yeah. And like all those guys, like they've played and you know, you have some depth now and not guys that you just signed off the street to just walk in, you know, even Will Parks, you know, he's got some experience too. And, um, it'll be interesting to see when, when they how the roster shakes out and what they do at certain positions, but, um, you have depth and that's so key moving forward. You have all these guys that you expect to be starters, but now you have experienced young depth and, and that that's big, that, that can help you win games down the line for sure. Uh, this episode came full circle because the one spot they had no depth, uh, they lost, you know, they lost Mackay Becton, um, Again, I'm not going to get into whether he'll be a Jet long-term because I've been asked that like 13 times today. I can't answer that as of now. I can tell you that if you play 14 games over three years and it's not anyone's fault, um, you teams are going to not look at you the same way because unfortunately you get the tag of you are always injured. Um, any, Obviously, anyone that follows anything on Twitter, obviously, you know, if you want an easy, you know, digestible uh, recap of practice, make sure you're following Dennis. Obviously, um, there's nothing. There's no more easy way to see who had a good practice who doesn't. Who didn't? I think it's DWAZ73 on, on Twitter. Obviously, your work at you know at the AP. Um, you know, and yeah, obviously appreciate you hopping on. And hopefully, next time you're on, we'll uh, be able to talk about a team that's on the uh, could be making the playoffs in 2023. There you go. There you go. Well, thanks for having me, man. It's always good to talk with you and and uh, this is a fun time right because yeah. there's no games yet like tomorrow's the game you've got still a month before the season it's it's fun it's cool to be fun to be optimistic at this point so um you know we'll, we'll see what happens but uh yeah I, I think there's good reason to be optimistic which is a big change from <laughs> quite a few years here from <laughs> one summer to the next one quarterback to the next I think they're building something here and I think that it's true I think you really see in that here. So yeah, and they're trying to win, which is something that I'm not sure has yes. happened in a while. <laughs> no doubt.